0: You feel that, Peter Jackson? That's Tolkien tapping on your shoulder and shouting, <laughs> No, and spraying you with a vinegar water bottle.
1: Welcome to the Books We Loved, a podcast through the Troy Public Library. Today we are talking about the Divergent series by Veronica Roth with our friend Allison Leach. From Troy Recreation. Gorgeous facility. Gorgeous
0: facility. We had a really great time talking with her. And it was, um, for me, lovely to revisit the Divergent series of books, which came out in the early 2010s, Mm -hmm. right? 2010s. Join us as we discuss the early 2010s and dystopian novels. We will mention a couple adult titles, but mostly our focus today is going to be YA titles. And this really opened up a whole discussion about the 2010s, the
1: YA publishing landscape of the time. I was pretty mm-hmm. proud of us. We were pretty thorough, I thought.
0: I thought we took a very, very in depth, very in depth, very literary, look. very hard hitting. I think Just you could some say some hard hitting journalism uh-huh. <laughs> on a non journalism podcast. Absolutely. we heard it here, folks. Yep.
1: You can take absolutely everything we say as gospel because we are pretty so much experts. I think you should ever do that <laughs> on this podcast, <laughs> the podcast Olivia. But I'm flattered. I mean, you have a good point, but it was fun it was fun. Allison's lovely. And we are smack dab in the middle of the holiday season. Mm-hmm. It is probably snowy, probably icy. It's probably icy and jolly. <laughs> and Mary all that. and Mary. So mm-hmm. we have so come to the library, you're probably on your holiday break from school or whatever, so or work. Just we're getting get on close on in here.
0: to it. Yeah, get in here. We're, I also we're wanted wait to wait any longer. Olivia, do you mind if I plug the Winter Reads and Winter Reads listeners programs for the youth department? I'd love to hear about awesome. those. Winter Reads is geared towards kindergarten through sixth grade. Winter Reads listeners is babies up to any five-year-olds that aren't in kindergarten yet. You can register with... Um, Beanstack, which is a website as well as an app. If you have any questions, you can call the library. If you used it during summer reading, you do not need to create an account again. You just need to log into your old account from summer reading, and you should see the Winter Reads and Winter Reads listeners programs listed there. And then that will help you track either the amount of time your kiddos are reading or the amount of books for the younger ones. And just a great way to get them... Um, keep their head in the reading game over the holidays so we don't have any kind of slippery sliding of forgetting all the wonderful things they've learned since September. Mm-hmm. And just a great way to keep literature going through the holidays and keep growing that love of reading with your family. So, And when do they have to sign up? Oh, what forgot time? to mention the dates. So the program began on December 5th and it will run through January 20th. Plenty of time. Plenty of time for reading. All right. Well, happy holidays, all you kids. Read
1: some 2010's dystopian YA fiction to celebrate the season. I don't
0: think the youngsters should be reading that. Maybe focus on some age appropriate materials. Well, I'm just I'm talking to our (laughs) listeners in general. Okay. If you're in elementary school, I don't know if you should be listening to this podcast by yourself.
1: Start reading Divergent right away. That's
0: not (laughs) the advice I'd give to a fifth (laughs) grader just yet. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, friends.
1: Are we starting? We're starting, Okay, girl. What, do you, what did you love about Divergent, why did you pick it?
2: So I picked this book because it was my favorite uh, when I was a teenager. It's probably the first series that I really, really got into. Um, it was really exciting because it was around the same time as Hunger Games mm-hmm. and Harry Potter and Percy Jackson, so I felt really drawn to more dystopian-type stories, um, and it was just an excuse to reread it for yeah. this podcast,
1: <laughs> which I was really excited about. How, how long ago would you say you read it? Probably about 10 years
0: ago. 10 years ago. That's about when it came out. So yeah. you read it when it came out. I'm trying to think. I think I read it a couple of years after. I think by the time I read them, all three were out. So, so you didn't have to like, wait in between? No, I don't, I don't do waiting well. So I usually try and wait until the series is done if I can.
1: So Allison, you were like a literal teenager when it came out, right? So this would have been written for you? I think I read it in like sixth or seventh grade. Okay, Okay. so this would have been written, yeah, for your age group. And then probably
2: when the third one came out, I was in high school. Okay. And then when four, the prequel came out, probably same thing, still in high school. Okay. And I remember that was incredible to learn his story after the whole series
1: had come out. I remember that being very popular. Uh-huh. So Amanda and I are old, decrepit crones, <laughs> <Yep>. so we... <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Oh, <laughs> uh, thanks. So I was a teen librarian when it came out. So okay. I, was, um, I was working here and in my head, and I can't, I can't determine if it's because I was reading a lot of YA, and it was my job, and I was really excited. I was like a fresh librarian, and I was so excited about it, if that's why it feels this way. But it also feels like that was just like a golden age for YA. It was like mm-hmm. Harry Potter came out in 97 and then Twilight and then Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson, Maze Runner, Hunger Games. Oh, I Maze forgot about Runner. Maze Runner. Yeah. Um and then it was, like, Legend, Cinder, like, all of these, yeah. like, hot titles. Dystopian. And Divergent was definitely one of the, I would say, Hunger Games, Divergent, and
0: then the John Green books were, like, mm-hmm. the, the most oh. popular. Those were, like, oh, the hot ones. And I feel like, okay, so I grew up in the 80s and 90s. I was a teenager in the late 90s. And so um, I feel like the teen books of that time were there was an attempt at realistic fiction that was not hitting the mark if you go back and read some of that it's pretty awful there was like um i think you called that ballerinas with leukemia <laughs> I did. there was a lot of ballerinas with leukemia yeah. books in the 70s and 80s i don't know what happened during that time um that was a strange yeah i did mention that in a different one but mm-hmm. also it, it felt like there was weird realistic fiction then you had like this Attempt at realistic fiction that was not realistic, like Sweet Valley High. And then you had stuff like Christopher Pike, which was teen horror. So I feel like we went from that into this golden age, like you said, of the writing just being different. And it felt like it was people who grew up reading these other things and wanting to see something that represented the way that they were seeing the world, right? Like dystopian is sometimes how we see the world, which I want to talk about a little bit later. Sometimes how we see the world and how the authors kind of choose to talk about the problems that they're seeing in society, right? Do you want, does anybody want to talk a little bit, maybe for some of our listeners that don't read dystopian, like what are some of the themes in dystopian books versus a normal book? Like what is a dystopian society versus like a utopian society?
2: Yeah. So I think one thing that was super interesting about Divergent is that there were so many lessons that they kind of brought into this dystopian world. Mm-hmm. So they were divided into these five factions and it was kind of, to go along with what was happening in the world at the time. We wanted to preach selflessness and bravery because mm-hmm. um, this was what what year? Like 2010, 2012, oh, that, around that yeah. time. Yeah. 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 And it was set in, in a dystopian Chicago too. So mm-hmm. I felt like the author kind of chose a place that was real to people mm-hmm. and kind of mentioned like, oh, the Sears Tower used to be here mm-hmm. so that they could... Could picture it in their minds at the same time and think like, "Oh, this isn't so far off," even yeah. though it's a dystopian novel.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally, I think, and we talk about that too all the time, like how the horror of seeing something familiar made strange. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it would be a totally different story if it was just some fantasy city that mm-hmm. was like destroyed and dark, but something that you're familiar with and that you know, in this like horrible dark dystopian future.
2: Yeah, that's good. It's and that's worse. good in comparison to Hunger Games, too, mm-hmm. because Hunger Games was so far off, even though it was still dystopian.
0: But yeah, there is something interesting about, like you said, setting it in a familiar place, but making it very different. So it it already you already start the book recognizing, yes, OK, this is set in the United States, this is set in Chicago. But then your mind gets in this whirlwind of like, wow, what would it be like to be? in a district where we're responsible for certain crops or certain things, and that's your life. That's it. That's all you get to do unless you go to the Hunger Games or, um, you know, you're put into this faction, whether it's divergent, whether it's um, erudite. I was trying to think of some of the other ones. Candor? Candor, mm-hmm. Amity. Um, Amity like and what, there was, a- there amigation. Was, yes. That's the yes. government people. Yeah. So, um, but very, very interesting. And um, yeah. Yeah that's all I'll say about that. That's, that's a theme
1: too in those books. Like, Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know if you can talk to this, Alison, if this would be appealing to you when you read them as a teenager, but that feeling of the sorting hat telling you where you belong and like the, Mm -hmm. it's always this really public display.
2: Well, I remember when I read it the first time, the beginning of the book felt so drawn out. Like I felt like Mm -hmm. I was you know, wondering where, where she was going to be placed for mm-hmm. chapters and chapters. But I reread it this past weekend and it happened really quick. Like oh. it was within the first two chapters. Oh, okay. Um, she took her test and found out that, you know, she didn't belong to any of these factions and she was different. And I appreciated how quick moving it was as, as opposed to Harry Potter. I feel like that first yeah. book is very drawn
0: out with yeah. like uh-huh. the sorting hat and getting acquainted with your house. It's interesting that you mentioned that these public, these public displays where people find out something about themselves, and as you were describing that, Olivia, I'm like, oh my god, The Giver starts like that too, oh, does where it? the boy is, you are given a job in your in the community, and so some people take care of babies, some people. Uh, work in the house with the elderly. Everybody's got this specific job and that's all you do. Mm -hmm. And you are assigned that in a very public forum. And I think it's really interesting that these are, you know, teen books. Um, All of these books are teen or I would say the givers, even tween. Because I feel like a lot of times when you're that age, certain things feel certain changes you're going through feel so public, but really nobody notices Mm. as much as you think they do. So it's it's almost like the, the author capitalizes on that sense that kids have that these changes in themselves and their bodies and what they're going through at school seem so so public, but Really, are they? You know, yeah. if you talk to somebody from middle school, you would be like, oh, my God, remember that one time I did this thing. It was so embarrassing. They'd be like, I don't remember that at all. Right. It's because we're our own toughest critic, right? Totally. Like everything is so um, blown out of proportion sometimes when you're going through that time of your life and you have all the extra hormones and things, as they say in my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> but, um,
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. And even the, that when you're hurtling towards graduating high school, it feels so public, like which college you're mm-hmm, going to choose like mm-hmm. yeah. where do you belong there? And then which job are you going to choose? And it feels public and it feels permanent. And in all, I think all of the stories that we've mentioned, Harry Potter and The Giver and Divergent, the main character kind of goes against the thing that is chosen right. for them. Right. Well, and
2: yeah. in Divergent, they were being sorted into these different factions when they were 16, which, if you're reading that as a teenager who's just starting high school, who's getting ready for college, like you mentioned, it doesn't seem as scary. Like, I remember thinking it was so inspiring when I read it 10 years ago, and like, I, I thought it was just as inspiring this past weekend at this age. It's such a good, the main character is such a good role model. I felt
1: what was it? What was inspiring to you when you read it?
2: Um, the fact that she chose what she wanted to do for herself, yeah. and the whole idea of being divergent and not being able to place be placed into into one particular faction. Like she, um, her aptitude test revealed bravery and selflessness, mm-hmm. not not just one thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for. You know, girls of any age to learn, but especially teenage girls who are reading this at this time. um, I think that's really important. And it was kind of a reminder to to not take life too seriously now that we're adults.
1: Yes. And that you don't have to fit one... Mm-hmm.
0: You don't have to be one thing. You don't have to be the sporty girl or the smart girl mm-hmm. or like one kind of person. Do you guys have a sense? I think about this a lot. Why all of a sudden we are seeing these really tough heroines coming out of this time period? You know, we have Katniss in the Hunger Games. We have Tris in the Divergent series. Um, I'm trying to think of a couple other series that I did not read, but I'm thinking of like I think it's called the Selection Series by is it Kira Cass? Yes, yeah. You know, why all of a sudden are we seeing these really tough female characters coming out at this time all all it kind of seemed at the same time. It seemed like it was snowballing. And even I would say even some of John Green's heroines, even though it's realistic fiction, they were really, you know, they weren't like these simpering girls that had been in um books in the past, they were very front and center. They had very real emotions, but they were very strong characters. Why all of a sudden do you think this was happening in the 2000s? I think about this a lot. I don't think there's a right answer. This isn't like a trick no, question. No, I, don't, like I don't think there's a right answer.
2: And I think it's hard for me to kind of speak to because this was my coming of age like i said like i read this when i was a teenager um and you know still as a young adult i think maybe authors were seeing that there was a gap in the industry for that because these Mm -hmm. were all female writers too i know you mentioned john green but Mm -hmm. um i think people started to support the feminism movement a little more and you know kind of put those strong female characters into the spotlight i also think what was really interesting about divergent reading it back is there was no love triangle like mm -hmm. in in twilight and in hunger games and it was so refreshing like they had they had um four who like really supported tris in like everything Mm -hmm. she wanted to do and there was no drama it was like these are two really strong um lead characters who are going to support one another and not kind of do all this side stuff that distracts from the main story and message
0: Mm -hmm. no I actually so I've got 20 years on you I think (laughs) and so I was reading these in my early 30s and I was kind of asking myself the same thing like why all of a sudden and I think what you said is right um there is this famous quote in library land about um books should be um is it windows and doors?
1: Yeah, there are uh, windows and doors. and, and doors. I don't know. Yeah,
0: I'm going to say it wrong, but I think it's books should be mirrors, so you see a reflection of yourself. So there should be a book on the shelf that represents everybody, in theory. But they should also be a door to another world. So I think you're right. Oh, I love right. that. I think that a lot of these female authors growing up did not see maybe a representation of themselves. And all of a sudden, they're now of writing age, and they're like, well, I'm going to make this badass character because I felt like I was a really tough teen. I felt misunderstood, but I felt very capable of big things, and I didn't see that in a book. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, it was usually the girls in the teen books I read were either babysitters, like they mm-hmm. were just yep. like realistic fiction, navigating being a teenager, and those were valuable to me, I loved reading those, but True. they were either that or they were imperiled or ill in some way, or they were abused, and it was always like they were... You know, and those are important stories. Like those are things kids still read about today. Were there
0: ballerinas in these? Mm -hmm. There was always a ballerina just like (laughs) twirling away. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, it was always that. But there was never so I watched the movie in preparation Mm -hmm. for today, and it was hard for me to watch. It was like
0: movie was not good.
1: Well, it it wasn't necessarily I was intrigued. I was watching the story, I was invested, but I didn't like the dudes telling everybody what to do. <laughs> I was like, why do they get to tell everybody? And they were real yeah. masculine. There's mm-hmm. so much of that like masculine.
0: Toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. Yeah. You had to mm-hmm. prove
1: yourself by being violent, by putting yourself in danger, mm-hmm. by doing kind of nutty stuff and by hurting other people. And I was like, I don't like them. You're like, Paging red flags. I know. Paging red <laughs> I also think like, okay, this, that was the time of like. It was. The Jillian Michaels sort of I, way of being where you just, yes. you had to be tough. And it was like, also like we would watch Simon
0: Cole just like yell at people on American
1: Idol yeah. and love him and love that sort of like abusive person. We and did, we did person. as a society.
0: What was that thing where you were, they voted you off? Um, it was a game show. And it was the lady that would say the same tagline at oh. the end every time. You know what I'm talking about? It was also the "you're fired" era too. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it was. Yeah, yeah it was it all was that like stuff, Shark and it Shark was King, so. You well, know, and and the that's what. Link. That's what was interesting. What was it? it
1: Was you are the weakest link? You are the oh, weakest link. Yeah, oh, link. yeah oh you're right. Gosh, it was that was like the worst. We
0: did all of a sudden we went from I feel like when I was in high school and it was. Um, What was the MTV show where they all live together? Real world. We went from everybody was super curious all of a sudden about watching other people. We went to this like Jim Carrey um, Truman show phase where, um, uh, what's what's that style of TV called? Uh, Where you watched like people's lives. Reality TV. Reality, thank you. Oh my gosh, (laughs) my brain is not working. I only had one cup of coffee today. We (laughs) went into this reality TV phase of... We are so curious about everybody else, right? That we go into this and then it's like, well, it's it's interesting on real world, but the the sexy thing on real world is when people hook up or people were fascinated when there was drama and there was chaos in the house. And it's like, oh my gosh, did you see so-and-so and so-and-so like get in a fight and almost like punch each other and stuff. And it's like, why are we so curious about that? And then it moves into like Simon Cowell and like you're fired, like Toughness. Trump and the lady on You're the Weakest Link. It's like, we like that, that almost meanness. It's like we... On some level, I felt like we started to celebrate bullies at the same time that they were telling kids in school bullying is not okay versus when we were kids, they'd be like, you need to thicken your skin a little bit. Mm. Like You can't let that stuff bother you. And Nowadays, we're like, mm-hmm. whoa, 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 that's actually not okay. Well, yeah. that
2: that kind of makes me think. So Tris was divergent. She didn't uh-huh. fit into one of the factions. There was Erudite, who was smart mm-hmm. they they were the studiers there was candor who was just known for telling the truth they didn't go into depth on too much of these yeah, but yeah. there was abnegation where she came from it seems like the author put her into dauntless so it would be exciting yeah so totally. she yeah. would be bullied so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so she could get knives thrown at her and all this stuff um even though she was divergent so maybe it would have been a very different story if she would have gotten placed somewhere else
1: it's like Gryffindor. Right? you're not gonna read like a hufflepuff story no. necessarily. no yeah. like that's where i would be with my, like, baking muffins or whatever? <laughs> so Dauntless is, I'm like, the equivalent
2: of Slytherin, maybe. Yeah. Or yeah.
1: Gryffindor, I think, because they're the cops, right? They're the, um, yeah, maybe, like, a combination of those mm-hmm. two things. Right? Bravery, but yeah. also sort of, like... Like a meanness. Toughness. and I, Yeah, toughness. But I there's, like, wanna, a little
0: meanness in there, too. I'm There's sorry. a meanness. But yeah.
1: I wonder... But I think that those are equated at that time. Yes. Like, if... Um, I don't want to bring nine
0: eleven into this conversation,
1: <laughs> but it, that well, does sometimes seem to you like, have
0: to think about that time to understand what came after. It,
1: it was like I remember how important toughness was after that. Like we're going to be
0: yes stronger.
1: It was a different definitely, message they started touting more. We've definitely turned into like valuing more gentle. I mean, like Harry Styles is like the most popular male. Mm-hmm. Um, person right now and he has such like, a good and he's such
2: a good example of mm-hmm. like you said everything that's you know yeah I, I agree going back to talking about the movie though mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I think the first movie Divergent is the closest to the book itself. Okay, and I feel yes. like it was so exciting at the time because it was such a fantastic cast. Mm-hmm. Like when they announced that cast, and it was Shailene Woodley. Who does anyone
1: ever tell you you look like her?
2: I've gotten that before. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> yeah. funny.
1: When I was especially watching it, when I was my like, hair is like blonde like this. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I've gotten that before,
2: (laughs) Um, because she did Secret Life of the American Teenager, and then I feel like she she took a break, and that was not that good. That That show was awful. It was was a TV TV show. show.
1: My sisters loved it, but they loved it was so bad. TV,
0: so bad. (laughs) But I watched it it because
2: I loved her. Yes, I was like, I love her. Um, And then she did The Fault in Our Stars,
0: which I thought that was her first thing. I didn't realize she was in a TV show.
2: Have you seen The Spectacular Now?
0: Is that with Miles Teller? It's so good, and it's with Uh, Miles Teller. Okay, see. We were watching those at different ages. I did not like it, Okay, but I was in my Maybe 30s. Maybe I could re-watch I it now and not like it. I was in my 30s. I also don't like Miles Teller. Oh, still. Really? He was just in Top Gun, and I was like, ugh, the whole See, time I, was I watched gonna, it. I, was, I do not like yeah. him at all as an actor.
2: You right. like him. I, yes. I do like him, uh-huh. but uh-huh. I was going to say this was like such a, a prime time for all the people in Divergent because mm-hmm. Shailene Woodley did Fault in Our Stars with yeah. Ansel Elgort, uh-huh. who then yeah. played her brother in yeah. Divergent, and she did Spectacular now with Miles Teller, yeah. who was you know, in there. Their and then there was Ashley Judd, Naomi Watts.
0: Yep. So it was a, it was a Kate great Winslet, cast. Kate Winslet. Winslet. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite. <laughs> she I was mean, a villain though. She was, but she was <laughs> a good villain because everyone's so used to her being like so sweet and stuff and such lovely characters. So I like when like she plays Like in the holiday. Now that we're getting yes. into the holidays, we have oh to gosh. shout that movie out. <laughs> yeah. Shout out. That is a lovely movie. I, I like don't know movie. if we said that in our holiday. I love it. You can cut this, but I don't know if we brought that up in our holiday spectacular episode. But we should have because that is the cutest. That's rom-com. my favorite Christmas. It's movie. a cute rom com.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's a good one.
0: And I, then
2: uh, Insurgent, I don't recall at all, but I, I remember either. it was so far removed from the book. And then Allegiant was the same thing. I think they were supposed to make it into two two different movies, kind of like they did with Twilight and the last Hunger Games. And then I don't think it ever happened.
0: They need to stop splitting stuff up. That should be too. I also, that's my thing about the House of Dragons and the Lord of the Rings TV show right now. Stop taking something and turning it into 10 episodes (laughs) when it can be a story told in four. I know they want to make more money, but I'm like, these episodes are so slow and nothing happens and you're just making people hate you.
2: That reminds me of that meme that goes around now that's like, why are we in a meeting when it should have been an email?
0: This yeah. been, I get mad because this could have been an email. It's the I'm same like, thing. Work in libraries.
1: <laughs> we do like
0: big bloated shows, though. Like we I'm do. thinking about... It's it's like an epic. You want an epic story that you can And like then you want to listen to a podcast about it and then yeah. you want to watch it but again. But then sometimes yeah. it's
2: too drawn out and you're like, I wish... The I Hobbit. was wa- I was left wanting more. The Hobbit.
1: Mm, yeah. The Hobbit been, is the is Shouldn't the per- have been three movies. Example. You could have
0: done it into two, and I would have been okay with it. Yeah. Also, don't add a love story. Tolkien's mad at you. <sighs> Just don't. Peter He's correcting you from beyond. Do you feel that, Peter Jackson? That's Tolkien tapping on your shoulder and shouting, <laughs> no, and spraying you with a vinegar water bottle. So,
2: so this is do. kind of when the whole... They're kind of setting the scene for the rest of the series. Yes, is they find out there's going to be an uprising. Okay, of the government.
0: Okay,
2: um, which is kind of alarming because she just gets settled into this faction and she's making friends and she has yes. she gets a, a, a boyfriend and then she finds out that they're injecting people with these chips that are going to be tracking them and controlling them.
0: Yeah, they're trying to make an army out of the yeah. divergent not the divergents the um the arms. dauntless. Oh, thank you.
2: But the divergent are able to go against this control
0: mm. because they're like immune
2: to Yeah, it. they're immune to it so they had to pretend to be controlled. And then both her parents Pass away at the end, oh, and that's I kind of how it that. ends.
0: Did they kill? Did the government kill them? The Dauntless who were being controlled <gasps> with the with the tracker. So the government did have them. Yeah. Them.
2: So it Those was cookies. it was Janine who was Kate Winslet's character. Yes, Kate Winslet. You know. <laughs> uh, she was the head of Erudite. and the right. Erudite were working with the with the Dauntless to kind of put this together.
1: That was another big thing in dystopian fiction. And uh-huh. I think why it's appealing to kids. Is that that sense of being controlled and Mm -hmm. rebellion? Mm -hmm. Rebellion is like so appealing and brave. And then, of course, your parents have to die.
2: I know, and it happened. It happened Mm -hmm. back to back. It was yeah, it was a lot because it was kind of a slow burn for a while. Yeah, and then
0: everything happened in like the last ten chapters. Going back to what you were saying, um, I mentioned earlier dystopian. um, The the theme of dystopian literature. Olivia, you kind of touched on something that comes up in a lot of the subgenres uh, within dystopian—is this idea of control, right? We have um, some of the some of the bigger elements is there's government control. Whether that's like a division within the society, oppression, dictatorships, rebellions, wars, overpopulation, uh, technological control, right? We have the idea of Big Brother, like in 1984. We have like robot control in some things. And it's interesting because dystopian literature is sometimes like a subsect of science fiction or fantasy because there is this element of a lot of times it might take place in like a in in the future in, like, space, or sometimes, like, in um, Divergent and Hunger Games, it takes place in the United States. But also, like, what I think we see in in Divergent is, like, elements of survival, um, the concern about loss of your individualism, you know, this idea, again, of control, like, it's a good thing that Tris and, um, I forget the guy character. Four. Four. Tris and Four both are these Divergents, so they can't be controlled as much, but, you know, you kind of wonder what, what is the author saying when we have you being divided into a subsect, this is now your home, this is your group, these are your people. And you kind of, in a sense, lose your individualism, because you're now a candor, you're now an erudite, you're not just Tris anymore, you're not just Four anymore. Um, something else that comes up, and I don't think it comes up so much in in this one um is the idea and i was telling olivia yesterday i've been seeing this more in newer um ya dystopian books is environmental disasters and environmental issues diseases nuclear disaster post apocalyptic post apocalyptic events i'm thinking of station 11 even though yeah. i know that's adult it's an adult book um, but I actually read that one during COVID and yikes. Um, that, little, was a, that was a was a weird
1: time to read that. That was a bad, <laughs>
0: well, I wanted to do something while that was happening. That was probably a bad time, but um, <laughs> actually, which leads me, it segues, segues me into this. I wanted to read this quote to you guys and, and kind of ask you the question of um, why people like reading dystopian fiction at certain times. So mm. This article was in the Guardian by Carolyn Zelinsky. The article title is "I've been reading more dystopian fiction than ever during the Corona crisis. Here's why." So I wanted to just read this and then get your take on this, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated by dystopian fiction and the way it aims to examine society's problems and inequalities through a usually catastrophic lens. In many cases, dystopian stories are cautionary tales that force us to reexamine and ponder our own actions and places in the wider world. Now, though I reach for them because I want to see how characters behave when their freedoms are taken away from them. I want to know what choices they make when they lose their jobs, their livelihoods, their families and friends. Dystopian fiction helps us think through what reality could be like and shows us how people might cope with adversity. Were you guys drawn to dystopian books during Corona? I was. I was not
2: during the pandemic. I was watching like reality TV and like I got Disney Plus during that time. And I was literally (laughs) watching like Tangled and The Little Mermaid. And that was kind of my comfort. But I feel like now I have been a little more. Because it's like, it's for the most part behind us. Mm -hmm. It's like, we got through it. Now it feels like just a crazy time, even though it was so awful at the time. Mm -hmm. Like I read um, Severance recently. Mm -hmm. I forget the author off the top of my head. Mm
0: -hmm. I can't remember, but But I I know what you're talking about. It
2: was a similar story to a much deeper extent. They went like into full pandemic and lots of people. But I think it's, I don't want to say comforting, because it's not a comforting story to read, but it's like you can kind of look at how the characters are responding to what's happening Mm -hmm. and, you know, equate it to your own life in a way. Sure.
0: I tried Disney Plus in the beginning, and I told my husband, I'm like, you know what, let's go back and watch all the Disney movies in order. And he was just like, why? And I'm like, I don't know, just kind of style, because I'd read a book recently about female illustrators at Disney, and they talk about, you know, different, different stages, the golden age at Disney and all this kind of stuff. So I'm like, let's just walk, go back, watch them and see how the style ha- styles have changed. I think we made it like three movies in and I was like, well, I hate Pinocchio. I hate, I hate Dumbo. Pinocchio. I don't want to watch these. And he's like, well, then you're not doing your <laughs> thing right. Like you're whole watching this in order. And I was like, you know what? I can't, this is like too Disney to me. I was like, I, I just, I need something that feels more like what's happening in the world. And I was like that sense of just, you never expect, you like, I in no way ever expected something like COVID. Right. And like most people, I think, unless you're in, like, medicine. And so it was that, like, perfect storm of... I never saw this coming. I don't know how to cope with this. So I'm going to try and read something like survival stories, but dystopian and that. They felt the world felt post-apocalyptic when I'm going to the grocery store and I'm wearing gloves and I'm wearing a mask and mm-hmm. there's nothing you know, on, the early on, I'm like, sh- wh- "Should I be wiping down all of my groceries with bleach wipes?" Like, you know, it's like you're like, "I'm trying not to be extreme, but like how far do we take this?" Nobody really knew. And um Yeah, our world, but strange. Yeah, again, that idea of familiar but strange. Well, that
2: reminds me. I feel like a lot of people on social media were upset that TV shows were kind of bringing a COVID storyline in. Mm-hmm. But I was watching Grey's Anatomy and This Is Us. Yeah. And those seasons that they filmed during COVID, that was like the main storyline for that season. But I liked it because I liked seeing, you know, how the characters- How they normal were. Something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. then it felt like they were going along in life with us. Um, yeah. So I liked it, but I know people didn't because they kind of wanted to escape the reality. Yeah. But I mean, that's not
0: always possible. There have been a couple of kids- um, books and kids being, I think we have them in our J fiction. So it'd be like geared towards third, sixth grade ish. And, um, a couple recently that just came out about, uh, that take place during COVID and COVID is part of the story. You know, it's how these people are going through life during COVID. And it's interesting because these kids, you know, it's like, I'm experienced, I experienced COVID as a almost 40 year old and the kind of fear and, uncertainty I felt. I will be very curious in 30 years to hear stories from kids like my niece of what she remembers from this time. So I think it's very good that people, we normalize it like that it was in TV shows that kids can read about it and be like, oh yeah, I forgot that we had to wear a mask every year or everywhere. I forgot that we did did this. And it, so it's like interesting to me moving forward, how that's going to be. And I'll be curious to see how dystopia, dystopian literature sticks around, but changes, you know, like I said uh, to Olivia, I'm noticing more like environmental things because I think this generation of teenagers is a lot more aware of what we're doing to the planet than I certainly was because totally. I didn't have access to Google. Yeah, I didn't have a computer in my house, quite honestly, until I was in college. So it's interesting that dystopian always the authors try and tell a story based on real concerns that kids have that adults have and how is that going to continue to change
2: yeah my favorite books growing up were the american and the michigan chillers Mm -hmm. by jonathan rand yep and i remember when i transitioned into like teen novels he had a book called pandemonium i think it was Mm -hmm. that was you know a similar storyline and i didn't know that was going to happen yeah in a few years so
0: thanks should we do a quiz? You were going to say something. Just about
1: real her. quick, um, when I w- when we were talking yesterday, I thought we, um, we were talking about that sort of golden age of YA. I don't even know if it really is. Like I said, it's, I just have strong associations with reading YA at that time. But um, because I think Harry Potter opened up the publishing <coughs> world to show yeah. that kids like stories and they like dark stories and they don't care if books are fantasy and huge and like as long as the story is good we're interested so publishers were more interested in publishing for that age mm-hmm. group um so anyway i'll it was so it felt like every book i bought for the teen collection was dystopian it was fantasy or fantasy, I remember or, fantasy that. or vampires or werewolves yeah, or yeah some
0: kind of i mean it was just like over i and was over. buying teen fiction at that time yep. too and i was like geez louise can we just have a normal story i know
1: and some of them stood out, like yeah. the Legend series, yes. Cinder, um, the Selection was very popular, Matched was very, you know, it was like, yeah. they were kind of spin off The Fifth Wave. Yes, yes. Yeah. Maze Runner, you said, Michael Vay, yep. um, all these great things. And now it feels like YA authors are more interested in realistic fiction with social issues at their heart. Like the hate you give is the last big one that I can really think of. That's mm-hmm. a good
0: example. And it seems like her next one is coming out as a movie. I think it's the come up was the second the come one. Up. Yeah. Right. Cause the last one was concrete rose, I think. And I remember she posted something,
1: a tweet she had written while she was writing the books before she was a known author. Mm-hmm. And she had said something um, on Twitter. You can ask publishers questions and she had asked the question, like, is it a no-no to write about um, current social issues or is that, or, it, or can you get a book like that published? And then there was The Hate You Give. She yeah. was writing. Yeah. And so it was like, do we have permission to write about real mm-hmm. things that real teenagers face? And then, of course, she did it. And it was this huge hit because kids seem like they don't need, I mean, we all still like fantasy and, yeah. you know, and stories about different worlds, but Kids are willing to read stories about real things that are happening.
0: I think that's one thing about, and this is just 100% my opinion, not based on any fact or research, (laughs) but that's why I think science fiction, fantasy, dystopian to a certain extent, I think in some respects at times in our society when it was not safe. Or okay with publishers to publish certain things. That's why I think science fiction started to get really big in the 40s and 50s because, Mm -hmm. oh, that's not happening here. That's happening on some planet. But you're really talking about social issues that are happening here in the United States. But we're not going to say it's black people versus white people because of what's going on in pre-civil rights America. We're going to say, you know, it's the Zorgons versus the Blargons. Yeah, Yeah, there were were so many metaphors. Yeah, Yeah, so you go back and you read some of this stuff and it's like, holy crap, this is like so packed with allegory for what was actually happening oh, so mm-hmm. I think I'm so glad you said that and I'm like a big Harry Potter fan and it was interesting I was telling Olivia I always think of it as fantasy but when you start to think about some of our dystopian or dystopic themes it's like it's a hundred percent one of the gateway you know jokingly lovingly the the gateway drug right like it's the gateway book because it's got themes of authority issues right it's got the authority figures in some of the later Harry Potter books use mind control there's the legilimens and the imperious curses there's the Big Brother oppression qualities of the Ministry of Magic later. Oh yeah, later in the you're series, right. where yeah, you're yeah. like you're reading. I remember reading that being like, "Hello, Big Brother," because again, I read those later. I was in my late twenties when I read Harry Potter um, because I fought it for a dang decade. Yeah. <laughs> those came out. The first one came out when I was in high school. Um, divisions within society. We we peg the wizards against. Um, muggles, which are non-wizards, just normal people, but also putting wizards on trial over their family status, there's a lot that you can unpack there. Race issues, things of that nature. Um, But um, I have a little quiz for you guys. I read about 10 different lists that talked about some of the, the most popular YA dystopian books or series. So you can give me the series name or the book name, whatever's easier for you. So I want you to try and come up with 15 YA dystopian oh books God. or series. Oh my goodness. That would be the top ones for teens based on all this research I did. Of I will all time, tell you of well, this is based on all the list I could read. This was kind of the average. Now some people might disagree and be like that should have been on the list. <laughs> but this is what I came up with based on about 10 different lists. I will say that two of the books on there are adult dystopian books. <laughs> That they um, often have kids read in high school.
1: Do we have any parameters time-wise? Like, is there an oldest um, or a
0: newest one? Oldest in- one came out in the 40s. Mm-hmm. That would be one of the adult ones. That's your clue. 40. It has a date in the title.
1: Well, that, that's <laughs> I cheating. That's the Wait. One I
0: already wrote down. Well, that, <laughs> didn't that come, I think that came out 48. Didn't Did it? it really? I think wow. so. I'm going to check now while you're doing that. And Harry Potter is not on the list. Is that more fantasy? For all intents and purposes, everybody considers Harry Potter fantasy. fantasy. Although I agree with Olivia, it's the gateway to... to
1: right. What I'm wondering is why... I think you're right that in the olden times, they used fantasy and sci-fi to mm-hmm. couch other social issues. Mm-hmm. So why are people writing dystopian books
0: about planet death now? Like Why is it being couched? Why is it not just realistic fiction? Because we can't handle it because it's too terrifying? Um, sometimes I think it's easier to digest your peas if they're mashed, mixed in with your mashed potatoes. I think you're right. <laughs> uh, that's like the most simplified thing I can say about that is, yes, yeah. I think it's easier for us to stomach stuff if it feels less scary and it feels less real. It's not, not real. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's it's it, but then you can kind of start thinking about it and be like, oh, my God, that could actually happen. And then I feel like it's safer because you started with it being fake. And then you came to the realization on your own versus if you just read it and you're like, oh, my God, we're all going to die. And all these terror, the robots are going to take over and this is going to happen. And hmm. so 15 YA dystopian books or series that came up the most.
1: Do we get a on, point for each one we get right? You
0: get, you get a point for each one you got right. Kay. They came up the most on, I read about 10 or 12 lists, and these ones were the most frequent visitors on this list for, for teens. Um, and in no particular order, by the way, Hunger Games. Give yourself a point. Divergent series, Maze Runner, Fifth Wave by Ricky Yancey, which is a fantastic book. It was a letdown as a trilogy, but that first book, if you read it as a read-alone or I'm sorry, as a standalone book with a cliffhanger. Wonderful, they both die at the end. Oh, I forgot about
1: that. Oh, I never even heard of it. Oh, it's, it's good. good. It came yeah, out it's like good.
0: 2017. It's really good. Oh. Um, Want by Cindy Pon. This is a new. No, I thought this was newer. This came out, I think, in 2010. Hmm. It takes place on ta- in Taiwan. And I think I was telling you about this. The planet is totally messed up, and you have to go to this company and buy suits to be able to survive. Ugh. Yeah, I know. I was like, I kind of want to read this. Kind of don't. Uh, the Legend series by Marie Lu. Yes. Cinderella is Dead by Kaylin Bayron. Hmm. The um, Scythe series by Neil Shusterman. All oh, right. As well as the Uglies series. Oh, that's a good one um which is actually westerfeld oh my gosh the ugly series we couldn't keep
1: those on the shelves when they first came out people we were either. like hmm. insane t- though i want to say i thought i'd get divergent so easily off the shelf i'm like it's old nobody's reading no. yeah no it was hard i had
2: checked to get a large print because oh, that was good. the only one available it was like 600 pages
0: <laughs> um the 100s by cass morgan mm. The Shatter Me series by Mafi. Oh, yeah. Um, that was another one that was really popular. popular. More with girls at my library yeah. than boys. Um, the Giver series, mm-hmm. which a lot of people think that's a standalone, but The Giver is actually part of, it was a trilogy originally, and then like 15 years later after the third one, she finally wrote a fourth book. Hmm. Um, in that series, Animal Farm was one of our adult ones. I wasn't sure. I did put it down though. Oh, I thought it was 1984. That's why I gave you the. Oh, I did 1984. Well, that's good. Okay, and Um Handmaid's Tale. Oh, 1984 did come up a lot so that's my bad I it gave you guys point. the wrong clue but it was not on this list but oh, I put like Animal give, Farm give yourself a point because they, that did come up on a lot of lists okay. for teens
1: no Fahrenheit 451 though
0: it was not on, really no it came up on a couple of lists but these were the ones that I saw like the yeah, most yeah. on every list that would have made my top 20
1: we did pretty how many did you get yeah, how many points Six. oh I got
0: 7 hey that was close i was proud yeah, of you yeah, guys. guys I mean I was I a teen librarian worry. for 10 years I probably should have gotten no excuse me I'm currently a children's librarian, and I failed your test. <laughs> there is no shame here. Oh, good job. I'm very proud of you guys. Um, real quickly, I, I, and then I swear I'll be done talking, I wanted to give a couple read likes for our friends that may be interested in trying out dy- dystopian fiction. Um, or people who already read Divergent and really liked it. Um, Something I was mentioning earlier is we're seeing different themes now than we did 10, 20 years ago because, again, authors are writing these books to be allegories for what's happening now. Um, In 2017, They Both Die at the End. That deals with themes about human connections and social media, mortality, and our chosen families. In 2018, Dry by Neil Shusterman deals with drought and concerns about what we've done to the planet. That book, I bit all of my nails off. It was so stressful, but very good book. So Mm. was They Both Die at the End. I actually did read both of these. Um, Two newer books, Hell Followed With Us by Andrew Joseph White. It came out this year. Mm. It concerns LGBTQ issues. And Survive the Dome by Kasoko Jackson also came out this year. And it it, um, expresses some concerns around police brutality and government control. So some things based on, I'm sure, what we've seen in the last year and what's happening with the world. Um, And then a couple recommendations for our adults. And these are some kind of what I consider classic dystopian literature, The Handmaid's Tale, 1984, Fahrenheit 451, The Road by Cormac McCarthy, Brave New World is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, Parable of the Sower by Octavia Butler is kind of a classic because it was – one of the first early dystopian uh, literature books written by a black author. And uh, Octavio Butler is a a female black author. And then um, the most recent that I mentioned on the show was Station Eleven by Emily St. John Mandel. And that actually takes place around Chicago and Michigan. Mm -hmm. And pretty Mm -hmm. much around the Great Lakes, but it's set in a dystopic future after a... um, disease comes and wipes out most the people in the United States and the planet so again probably shouldn't have read that during corona times it's uh, a great COVID book times. it's cool you can
1: you can um, they, it it's a, a traveling
0: theater group as the main characters
1: of the show and so you can hmm. or the the book and you can see where they go all through Michigan.
0: And you yep. can identify. Oh, that's identify fun. Something. Yeah, it's cool. And because of that, it was one of those books that I know a lot of libraries in Michigan the year it came out in the year after did it as book club books yeah. because it was a lot of it set in, in Michigan. Um, mm. So I am done talking, I swear. Yeah.
1: Did you have anything else you wanted to say about the book? I'll no, I'm yeah. good.
0: You Thank you so much Do for joining us. Are you reading anything good
1: right now you'd like to recommend?
2: I'm not reading anything right at this moment, mm. but I plan to start Carrie Soto is back tonight.
0: <gasps> I'm doing that right now
2: right now yes. i'm so excited because i've i've only read her big three daisy jones evelyn hugo and malibu rising mm. okay. but they were all like five stars for I me i have not done
0: evelyn
2: it was good hugo yet. it's like one of those that it's super overhyped on like social media okay. that's why but i didn't do it. <laughs> it's one that like i feel like was appropriately hyped yep. up
0: because there's to- a lot that are over. Yeah, I just told my sister she recommended Carrie Soto and I had done um, Daisy Jones and I had done I Remember love that Rising one. and I, my sister's like, I texted her, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm reading Carrie Soto right now and she's like, okay, this is my order of how I like her books and I'm like, I don't know if I like Daisy Jones and The Six better or Malibu Rising better. I like I think Daisy I might, Jones better. See, I love Daisy Jones, but then I like Malibu Rising for different reasons. Yeah. I'm like, oh, they I, might be, it might be a tie. I think yes. I like both of them a little bit better than Carrie Soto. Yeah, okay. Mostly because she's a very unlikable main character oh, for me. okay. She's, she's very cocky. I love I the
2: way Daisy like Jones is written. Yes. Like, I, I can't imagine having to put yourself uh-huh. into the shoes of each character enough that they... Develop the their own so language different. and voices. You know there's that's a movie cool. coming out,
1: right? I do. I'm excited. Yes. Yes. That would be a good... And so this is Taylor Jenkins Reid we're yes. talking yes. about. And I should have said that. Hot, hot author right I now.
0: actually, when I read Daisy Jones and the Six, I like stopped and turned and looked at the spine because I was like, is this like a band biopic? Like a real band? I, I thought, thought so too. Because I think it's... I It's had loosely read based on Fleetwood Mac. That's what I was going to yes. say. I read it was loosely based on Fleetwood Mac. And it's funny because you definitely... I can definitely get that. Having... And my aunts liked Fleetwood Mac a lot. So mm-hmm. I heard a lot of that. It's amazing. Teenagers, some stories I probably shouldn't have heard. But um, <laughs> yes, highly recommend. Yeah. Very good. good. So I'm enjoy. excited.
1: Thank you. Yeah, enjoy. And do you have anything about the um, your job that you want to share? Any upcoming This event? is coming out November 30th? Yeah so we have
2: a family night out which will be like a little gym and pool oh, experience cool. um, actually on new year's eve that's so fun so make sure to check out our rec guide our winter rec guide um went up november 7th so registration is open
1: for all of our stuff
0: perfect thanks so much Thank for you doing so us today. thanks great. for yeah. having yeah, me this is a
1: fun book to discuss i know
2: yeah. well it's like you can get into so many different
1: Thank you for listening to The Books We Loved, a podcast through the Troy Public Library. You can find more information about the books and library services we mentioned in the show on our website at troypl.org slash podcast. If you would like to suggest a topic for future discussion, please email us at podcast at troypl.org. Thank you for listening and happy reading.